morning. Welcome to the Barnes Sunday Morning Services. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. I do appreciate it. Do I need to say it over? Uh, because you just turned the thing on. You can. See, black people are always late. They just now turning the camera on after I start speaking. Good morning. Welcome to the Barnes Sunday Morning Services. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. You can get involved. <coughs> Excuse me by calling the number on the screen. Uh, good morning here, everybody, again. Morning. Good morning. How y'all? Good. Good. All right. Um, interesting week, huh? No? I, I want to talk about e e Ecclesiastes 1.18. 1.18. Very, very, mama mia. Oh, let me ask this question while you're looking for that. How many here have, have a good heart? Only two people have a good heart. Everybody else's heart is no good. Well, no wonder. Um, it's not the subject for today, but it was something that was on my mind. What's good about your heart? Oh, I don't know. I just got to care about what's right. You do? Yeah. And that's what's good about your heart? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Uh, what's good about your heart in the back? John, you don't have to put it so close anymore because they fixed the mic. Uh, the young man in the middle. He says he's had a good. He has a good heart. Uh, I believe I'm always looking out for other people. You are, and you think that's what makes you have a good heart? For the most part, yes. Uh, why do you always look out for them? Uh, just you know, want to make sure that uh, you know I'm not infringing on anybody else or. Oh, I see. Doing the wrong thing. Very interesting. Okay. <laughs> that's going to be my question for next week. Patrick, do you have it, Ecclesiastes? Yeah, you build me up. Oh, read it for me, Patrick. What's the book uh, Verse 118. He doesn't have it. He's still looking for it. You guys don't have it? You have it wrong. Oh, come here with the mic. You have it, Patrick? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. In much wisdom is much grief. He that increases knowledge increases sorrow. Isn't that interesting? You ever heard that before? Oh, good. The young lady in the back. You know what that means? You know, A little louder so I can hear you. The more you know, it makes you see what's wrong out there. So you find yourself, uh, the more you know, you feel sorrow, sorrow about things? Yeah. That's interesting, huh? Yes. That the more we know, the worse off we feel. And I thought, I thought wisdom is supposed to bring freedom. I want to give you some examples of what you're talking about. Um, uh, number one, I had a guy on my radio show this week um, out of San Francisco who jumped off the San Francisco Bridge to try to no oh that's what it called oh go the gate bridge in San Francisco oh by the way they had an earthquake up there last night you hear about that six point zero it was in Napa Valley oh okay um, but this guy jumped off the bridge in an, an attempt to kill himself to commit suicide when he was nineteen. And he said that 
leading up to that, the devil was playing with his mind, telling him that no one loved him or cared about him, that he was all alone and life was bad and what's the point of living and all that kind of stuff, leading up to the age of uh, uh, 17, I think. I forgot the age. And he said he went and just jumped off the bridge. And as soon as he jumped off the bridge, reality set in that he didn't want to die. Isn't that amazing? Now, you jump off the bridge, and Satan leaves your thought, and you realize, I don't want to die. That's the wrong time to be realizing that. (laughs) And he was talking about how hard it was going down and into the water. But between hitting the water, jumping over the bridge and hitting the water, he said to God, oh, God, I made a mistake. I don't want to die. I want to live. And uh, God saved him. Ain't that something? He said he was going head down like this, but when he said that, he flipped over and went feet down instead of head down. To me, that says a lot. One thing that tells me that Satan definitely plays with our minds and that every thought we get is from the devil. There's no such thing as a true thought. And he could drive you to a point that he can convince you to take your own life. That's amazing to me. That it's not you convincing yourself of that. It's not God convincing you of that. But Satan can convince you that life is hell and you're better off dead. Isn't that mind-blowing? I, um, when I was back in Indiana a couple weeks ago now to my family reunion, my, one of my cousins found her son in his bedroom the Saturday morning that I was there, dead. He, she went in there to wake him up, 27 years old, uh, and she went in there to wake him up and to go to the picnic, family picnic, and he was dead. <clears throat> and I found out yesterday that it looked as though he committed suicide too because he felt that no one cared about him, that life is hell, and there was no reason to be alive. And she was telling me on yesterday that um, the night, that night before Saturday, he came to her and said, uh, Mom, I want you to know it's not your fault when I die. Don't blame yourself. I'm telling you this now so you don't grieve too much. It's just that life is hell for me and there's no reason for me to be alive. And she, and she said, she asked him that night where, you know, the families are here for the reunion, are you going to go? And he said, no, but it's good that they are here so they can go to my funeral. This is the night before, he, you know, she found him dead the next morning. And, and I was thinking about how he lived such a young life, convinced that no one loved him, he was no good, life wasn't worth living. And it was all a lie. It was not true at all because the family did all they can to help him overcome that anger. He had major anger, just major anger. And it was impossible to help him. And so Saint had convinced him that he was, uh, so he, went, he was uh, not worthy of living. So he took drugs and drank a lot of alcohol and just killed himself. Isn't that amazing? 
that Satan can do that to us. Now, that made me sorrow, feel sorrow knowing that it's not God convincing that person of that. It's not uh, the person convincing themselves of that, but it's evil convincing the person to kill themselves. Anybody here ever thought about or contemplated suicide? Uh, all the guys. Y'all trying to get away from your wives? <laughs> <laughs> And there's some uh, in the back again. Why did you consider? Did you did you try to do it? Take no, your life? No. What made you? Did, why did you want to do it? What made you consider it? Uh, just all the circumstances that compounded in the, at the time. Yeah. Stupid circumstances, huh? Yes. And now that you didn't do it, you see that it wasn't worth it. Oh yes, definitely. Isn't that amazing? Yes. But and, and see the circumstances or situation in life is not a problem, but Satan convince you that it is. He tell you, oh, this is a big deal. You know, how are you going to pay all these bills? Where are you going to live? Uh, or whatever he tells you. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> 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 yeah. Now I hate myself. <laughs> I remember. When I was, <laughs> isn't that amazing? And it's true. And the circumstances still goes on. They don't ever change, and you're dead. One thing I realized about death, people don't really care about others either, because when you die, have you noticed that you, you cry when you first hear about it? And then you have the funeral, and then after that you go down and have some chicken and greens and... <laughs> And everybody already having fun, and, and uh, you just put the body in the ground, and you're downstairs or at somebody's house having fun already. And then in the next few days, you're forgotten about. It's like you've never been here. That's weird to me. It's like you're here, and now you're not here. It's like you never existed. One thing that happened with my cousin, he died at home, and I asked my, his mother, Yesterday, I said, well, how does it feel knowing that that boy died in your house? She said, oh, I thought I would be scared, but I'm not. I don't feel anything about it. And I was like, if anybody ever die in my house, I'm going to kill them. I make it known when you, <laughs> when you come to live in my house or visit, do not die here. Because <laughs> I still have to live here. And if you're going to die... Go outside and go down the road a little bit <laughs> and die down there. <laughs> I think that's so selfish to die in somebody's house. <laughs> don't you? <laughs> I'm serious. Don't die in the house. I heard too many scary stories growing up from my grandmother and others, the older people talking about how that is for somebody to die. So don't die in my house. All right. Why did you try to commit or oh, contemplate it right here, uh, John? In the, yeah. Why did you contemplate? Uh, I was, contemplate going, I was going through a divorce. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And what about it that made you want to take your life? Um, I just loved my wife, and I didn't want us to be divorced. So it was kind of like felt, I felt like it was the end of my life. And so did you try to take it? No, but I came really close. I thought I was really seriously thinking about it. Wow. Yeah. And, and well, how were you going to take it? You're like... get a gun. 
you going to do a gun? If I'm going to kill myself, it's not going to be with a gun. <laughs> Look like that's double trouble, you know, more pain. Yeah. And so what changed your mind? Um, I'm not sure. I just got, I went, I let it go. I just went through the feelings of it. Didn't pick up a gun. I get, got the guns away from me. Got them out. I took, gave them to my brother. I'll get these guns out of here. And I, I, after a while, I got over it. Now wow. I'm really glad I didn't do it. You are? Why? Because, uh, just, I am. I'm, I look back now and, you know, things have just gotten so much better. Yeah. I'm, it, was been, it would have been the biggest mistake of my life. You can say that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I tried that one time when, in my 20s. I, um, because I was the kind of guy at one time in my life that could not live without a woman. I had to have one. I don't know if anybody else. If I wanted to break up with a woman, for whatever reason, I would have to already have another one waiting. <laughs> I'm serious. Because whenever I didn't have her, I felt so lonely and lost and empty and like life was over. You know what I mean? When a man loves a woman, <laughs> you can't think of nothing else. And so I was breaking up with this girl, and she was so pretty and nice body and all that kind of stuff. She used to come up to my job. I worked at the hospital at the time. And when she ever she would come to my job for lunch, I would make sure we walked through the whole hospital so all my friends could see her. And they would brag, oh, Jesse, you something else, brother. And it just made me more addicted to her, you know. And so it came a time when we were going to break up, and I just lost it. I just felt like God took my life away or something. And I took some pills one night to kill myself. And luckily, I didn't die. I just got really sick. That's an awful feeling. And they took me to the hospital. They pumped that stuff out of me. And, and I never tried that again because it just felt so bad. And I knew I wasn't going to do a gun thing or a knife or anything like that. But I realize now I'm glad God didn't let me take my life over a stupid person. And I realized I had the wrong relationship with her. She was like my God. You know, she was my life. And when my life left me, my God left me, it took away my life as well. That's why God said that we should only love him and nothing else. Love him along with nobody else or nothing else. Because if you love anything else physically, it will take your life from you. It takes the place of God. It become your God. Isn't that something? And you don't realize that that's what's going on. You just think it's love and this person means everything to you and it's not a big deal. But you should not love anybody but God. Nothing, no wife, no husband, no children, no friends, no money, no place, no thing. Nothing should take the place of God. And then you'll be all right. Anybody here love other things other than God? Only two honest people. <laughs> Hold on for the mic. Come to right there with the mic. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I mean, I think you should love your children, love your husband, whatever, but not more than God. But if you love them, you're loving them and not God. Well, God's number one. But how do you know he's number one? He should be the one and only. Uh -huh. 
because he said he's jealous. He's a jealous guy. So anything that you love, because, oh, I'll tell you why in a minute. And so you love God and your children? Yeah. And how you know you love them separate from God? Well, I try always to put God first in my life. Like, I, I depend on God. Right. But I love my children. Oh, okay. Yeah. How do you know you love your children? Uh-huh. How do I know I love my children? Yes. I'm a mama. You're a mama. <laughs> That's a good way of knowing. <laughs> so you don't know how you know you love them? Well, I guess it's just a natural thing. You think it's natural? Oh, okay. Interesting. I'm loving this, but not before God. Yes. So if you, if you only love God, where there's a room to love I'll say, I love you. Where is my, the room for me to love you too? That's a very good question. Very, very mama mia question. Um, I'm loving this. Who do I want to ask? No, I don't. Put your hand on. <laughs> um, let me ask my, the worker over there. If this lady is walking down the road, you, you're a little lightweight Christian, right? Want to be Christian. Want to be, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're walking down the road and she said to you, I, I love, how do I, I, I want to love you. I love God and I love you. So how does that happen? What would be your response? I got to uh, go. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I believe that too. <laughs> Oh, no. You can't answer that. From what I understand, um, us loving God only allows him to, uh, allows his love to flow through us. So we love God only, and in that, our love, his love flows through us to everything else. And are you doing that? You didn't ask. That's the different question. <laughs> so you just heard someone say that? That was, that's my understanding, yes. Tell James to give you that scripture for me, Patrick, uh, for the one we're going to use tomorrow, this week. Um, Rodney, can you answer that for her? You're a little Christian. I would have answered it like he did. I oh, think you would have? Yeah. Why would you have answered it that way? Because that's what I think it is. God's love is all-encompassing, and once we connect with him, his love flows through us, through everything else. And how do you, how, do you know that that's true or not? I feel in my heart that that's true, yeah. You and do I know feel the it. love that we have for everything else is, is usually ego-based love. And are you loving like that? Are you doing the it? Ego-based, yes. Oh, you are? So you don't know for sure that that's true then? I don't, I don't say that I live it like that. I'm sorry? I, I don't think I live it like that, right. but so I you really don't haven't know. even thought about it, really. You haven't thought about it? Mm-mm. Wow, I understand The only that. No love I know is the ego-based love. Yeah. That's what I've been taught, and that's what my natural emotions flow through me to do that. Isn't that something? The love that 99.999, but not all, just 99.999, but not all, point, 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 not all. Of human beings love, most people don't love one another. They don't love their families, they don't love themselves, they don't love others at all. But I know that we feel like we do, when in reality we don't. 
Uh, you have it? I do. Read it for me. Tell it, tell the folks where it's from. What Proverbs 28:26. Everybody hear that? Proverbs 28:26. Okay. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely, he shall be delivered. Yes. The point is, there's not one human being on earth that have love to give. And, and, and you're right. If we love God along with nothing else, just God only, then he dwells in us and he is all love. And then he would love through us to love others. But our love is all ego. That's why, and you can tell that it is because if someone doesn't do it the way you want them to do it, you're mad. Or you're trying to will them to do it. Whether it's children, husband, wife, friends, you automatically get mad at them. I can't believe you're doing this to me and I love you. <laughs> I can't believe you uh, talking back to me like this and I take care of you. Blah, 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 right? That's not love. Because if you love your children or your husband or your wife, whatever they said to you or did to you wouldn't matter. You, would you live in a state of forgiveness because you're not getting anything egotistically from them by loving them because you're just giving love, which is coming from God to them. And they are still a free person. Now, you have, you're supposed to guide your children in the right way to go, but with that love, you're supposed to do it. But if you have any emotions or thoughts or anger or up and down feelings about the person or your relationship, that's not real love. It's not because God's love is unshakable, is unmovable. It's the same always. And I know that for sure now. And I'm glad to know that because I had that other love, like 90 going north. And whenever things didn't go my way with the person or people that I love, I got mad. Just like, you're not a real friend. You're not this and that. Because it messed with my love. I figured if I gave love to you, you should be giving something back or acting a certain way. But when you have that real love, it's not a part of your thinking. You can take it or leave it. Isn't that something? I'm telling you the truth, so help me. That's why you have to let the ego thing die and be born again of the spirit of God because God's love is, there's no feeling in it. There's no thinking about it. It just is. It's like the sun just shining and you just know it's shining and that's it. And you're just living and people can see that you love them and because there's no emotion attached, attached to it. Isn't that a nice way to live? Your husband walk out on you, fine. I'm glad that trash is gone. <laughs> no big deal. You don't have any fear or any loneliness or any internet stuff. It won't happen to you. You can take it without even thinking about it. Isn't that amazing? Yes, Jack. I don't need to, I don't need to ask anymore. You had your hand? Yeah, I did, but I don't uh, need okay. to ask anymore. That's the kind of love that the children of God should be living by, and then you become the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Because it's never about you or me, it's always about the other person. You, you have this understanding that they're talking about, Solomon is talking about. You just have it. 
And it's what saddens you about it is that you see that that person cannot see. You see they can't see, and that's why they're doing the things that they do, and they're acting out the way that they're acting, because they're blind and can't see. And you, so you, you're not feeling anything about it, except that you understand where they're coming from, because God is allowing you to see that. I'm looking at this situation in Ferguson, Missouri, for an example. I can't believe that in the United—and then I'll take your question, but I forgot I saw your hand— uh, in the United States of America, a Judeo Christian nation, that you could have a six foot, whatever inch tall, 200 some pound thug from a broken home walk into a store and, and rob the store, and we all looking at it on camera, be, push, you know, kind of beat up on the. Uh, the salesman there, he didn't hit him, but he pushed him away and threatened him with his language, body language for sure. Go outside, walking in the streets, and according to the report, the cops come along and say, get out of the street, because they hadn't gotten a call that there has been a robbery there in that area. <laughs> the thug jump on the cop, beat him up, you know, knock his eye socket out and all that kind of stuff. Takes off, try to get the cop's gun, according to the report. And then uh, takes off running, come back at the cop. And we know that's true because the eyewitness, a black person, you can hear him on, a, on the video saying, oh, he's coming back. He's coming back with the cop or something like that. And get killed. And the thug is the hero and the cop is the criminal. That's like mind-blowing to me. And you literally have preachers and Christians and others who are celebrating the thug and denouncing the cop. That's mind-blowing to me. It, but it's happening in the country because people are angry and blind and can't see. The truth becomes the lie, and the lie becomes the truth. Isn't that amazing? It's like, and then it's hard to convince most people that it, it is a lie. They're, they're falling for it because their hearts are like that, too. The, the mother of this boy is going to allow Al Shopton to do the funeral service tomorrow. Al Shopton. Now, and someone asked me yesterday, why do you think that is? And I said, well, because her heart is no different than his. And birds on the feather flock together. It's the same heart. Because good and evil does not get along. I had a preacher on my weekend show yesterday at 8.70 a.m. who went to Ferguson, a black guy, and he was going on and on how bad the cops are, blah, 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 right? He just see how awful they are. So I asked him, is Al Sharpton a good man or an evil man? He's like, oh, I don't know. I, can't, I don't know about Al Sharpton. I said, you're a liar. You are a liar. The guy is a liar. How is it that he knows about the cop, but he doesn't know about Al Sharpton? My grandmama knows about Al Sharpton. She's been in the grave 40 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's what we're living with now in the world. The lie has become the truth, and the truth is the lie. And people are afraid of the liars. It's mind-blowing, but no wonder. 
It hurts me to see that. It's like an uphill battle right now. Anyway, yes, sir. Yeah, um, if God's love is the, you know, the true love, then true love was exemplified in, in his son, Jesus Christ. Right. And Jesus Christ, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, before he laid down his life for us, he was bleeding blood and sweating blood. I'm sorry, not bleeding blood, sweating blood. And that, that is really the opposite of, of feeling nothing, you know, feeling nothing, as you said. You said true love feels nothing. It just does it. Well, in the case of Jesus Christ, he was quite feeling it in regards to, you know, he was to the point of, you know, bleeding through his sweat glands. So I wanted to present that uh, thing to you. All right, well, that you did because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I really don't get it. Anybody understand really? that? Okay. I thought it was pretty clear, but all right. Uh -uh. That's cool. You I know, I appreciate Read the tape later, and you'll find out what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know how that relates to anything we were saying, but thank you for it. Yeah, I will. Um, anybody else have any questions or comments? Yes, sir. I have another example of sadness and sorrow. Yes. From what I've seen from Ferguson, it seems like uh, they're confirming what I already learned in Bible school, that um, people prefer to be trapped, uh, trapped under, under the dark, uh, curse of darkness than to see the truth. Because if they saw the truth, they'll feel very, very impotent. Here, here they found, think they have a, have found a strength and the power to overcome. But in truth, they, in truth, something is overcoming them. Right. Um, thank you. I don't know for sure if most people want to live in darkness. I'm not sure about that yet, because I remember when I lived in darkness. You know, I used to be a little heathen when I moved to California. I became a heathen. And, but I didn't know I was living in darkness. I absolutely had no idea that I was living in darkness. I thought the things that I did were, were uh, the right things, and then that sometimes they just didn't work out well. I didn't know that my anger against my parents and myself and other people had blinded me. I really just didn't know. And it wasn't until God woke me up and allowed me to cause me to forgive and allow me to enter into the light where I can see. Then I knew I was blind, that I couldn't see. Other than that, I did not know it. And so I think that most people do not know that they're blind because I can't see how you would know that you were blind and still do the things that you do to yourself, to your family, to your friends, and to other people. Because nothing good comes from it. Nothing good comes from being blind. So I don't think that most people know that they're blind. How many blind people we have here, you know you're blind? You know you're blind. Is it because somebody told you? You know you're blind, John? Let me go right here, and then I'll take you that. But, you know that you're blind? 
For most of my life, I, I was I absolutely was blind. No, you just no, raised your no, hand that no, you know I, that you're blind. Now, right now, I'm not sure. You're not sure if you're blind no, or not? Right. Wow. I understand that. Well, I don't understand that. <laughs> I may understand it. I'm not, most of my life I was blind, but now I'm not sure if I'm blind. But if most of your life you knew you were blind, and now you're not sure if you're blind, will you still be blind? Either you can see or you cannot see. Am I, am I making sense with that? Yeah, I like it. I like what you said. Well, the, the, the thing is, if I, would, if I would be able to see right now, there wouldn't be a, a shred of doubt in my mind. That's right. So then you're blind. Well, yeah. I, 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 I can't say anything other than what I said before. Right. Interesting. Let me take over here first and I'll come. Yes. My question isn't on this topic. It was on the immediately uh, before one, so I'll, I'll hold off. Until no, go ahead. Yeah. Um, of ourselves, can we love God? No drug calls during the meeting. <laughs> I'm sorry? Of ourselves, can we love God is my first question. And how do we love God? I love that. Because most people, for one, don't believe in God. The second thing is the people that do believe in God they don't have the attributes or they don't have the consistency that you speak of. So one, can we love God of ourselves? Right. And two, how do we love God? Do you love God? I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. Why, why is that? Because there's don't... no consistency. Uh, consistency is, like, I, I, if I sit in this chair, I know it's going to hold me up. There's consistency. But in me, I don't see consistency. It's weird that you say that. Last night I was all asleep, and then all of a sudden I woke up. And I realized that I, I, I think I must have been thinking about the situation in uh, Ferguson, Missouri. And I realized that these blacks are up there protesting and destroying stuff and being all mad and all this kind of stuff. For some reason, I just woke up and I realized their battle is not with a physical person or a physical thing. Our battles with, with it is within ourselves. It's really with us, the individual, within oneself. There is like a battle going on inside between good and evil. You want to do good, but you can't. You want, you know, you see this thing that's always trying to control you. You want to try to get rid of it. It's like a battle going on with self instead of with other people. Have you noticed that? Yes. But because we are blind, we tend to blame it on other people. Well, it's because I'm black, or it's because I'm a woman, or it's because I'm whatever. And it's just not true. The battle is with self, and there's a war going on within self, and it's a spiritual battle. The way that you know that you love God is that you would keep his commandments. And if you're not keeping his commandments, then you don't love him. Goodbye. We can have a funeral now. So you're saying the obeying part. Keep his commandment. And especially the first, well, maybe the second one, but the first one and the second one. To love God with all your heart, soul, and might, and love your neighbor as yourself. He told you right. But he does, oh, go right here. She said he told me to, oh, let me take, I better take this lady first because she's my good friend and she's going to beat me up if I don't. 
I have a question. What do you define being blind? Being blind, mm -hmm. blind uh, to what is really controlling you. Realizing that it's not you, but something else has made a home inside of you. And that it makes you do the things that you don't want to do. And it makes you even take the blame for the things that you do that you don't want to do. You know how sometimes you can be mean to a person? Or you can say, are you ever mean to anyone at times? Yeah. Where's the mic? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you don't want to be mean, right? No, when, I, when I'm mean, I want to be mean. You do? Why? <laughs> <laughs> but that's not, the <laughs> that's not the love of God. There are certain times that it's necessary. W w give me one time when it's necessary to be mean. Well, I can't give an example because I haven't done it in a long time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is God ever mean to you? No. And, and but I doubt him at times. I'm sorry? He isn't, but I doubt him at times. Right, because you don't love him. And you don't realize that something else is driving you to make you doubt. Something else is putting doubt on your mind, and you think that it's you putting a doubt in your mind because you don't see this other spirit that's made a home in you that causes you to do what you don't want to do. Because if you did, you would just see it and never take responsibility for it. You would deny it, but you would know that it's not you. And then God can set you free from it. You have to think about it. Yeah, and that's what it means to be blind, to not see what's really going on with you. Because God allows you, that's a good thing about it, he allows you to see what's driving you so you don't hate yourself, so you don't, judge yourself and want to commit suicide or take it out on others because you see that it's not you, that you need something else is driving you. But most people think, and Rhonda call it the ego, it is ego, but it's the spirit of darkness. And most people think it and feel it, and they think it's them. And then they get mad at themselves for feeling that way or for doing or obeying what this thing tells them to do because they think that it's them and they can't see that it's not them. That makes sense? Y yes. No, the first thing, the first. Oh. Um, yeah, getting back to, the, I was just going to, before you mentioned um, when Christ said that the commandments can be summed up in love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Well, and, and I know we can't love at all. We can't love God without his spirit in us. Yes. Okay. But I don't, I, I, I've grown up in the church and I was always told you love God first, but I don't, I don't get quite what you're saying. Like, I understand you love God first, right. but I think he also instructs us to love others. So we're capable of loving other people because of God, because of the spirit in us. Otherwise, we're all darkness, you know, yes. without God in our hearts. And, uh, and we'll never love him perfectly here on this earth. We, there's no way. Why not? I just because we're sinful. And until we're made Very, perfect, very good. I understand what you're saying. Uh -huh. and, and this is going to answer your question, too. What's going to happen is that you're going to realize 
that of yourself you could do nothing. You can't love. You can't hate. You can't make anything happen. You can do nothing. When that is revealed to you, <clears throat> then you let go. You give up trying. And by giving up trying, you're acknowledging that you are not God. I can't make myself be spiritual. I can't make myself be holy. I can't make myself love anyone. I can't make myself stop hating. I can't do anything. I can't love God. And when you can realize that, then God will, the Holy Spirit and the love of God, which is in us already, will appear. And then you're going to, not of yourself, but because you surrender to him completely, he's going to love you and you're going to naturally love everybody else the way he loved you. Without judgment, without anger, without it being based on anything. But you're going to recognize right and wrong, though. Of you, course. You've got to get angry about some stuff. No. With because, your kids? Huh? Yeah, it's this, you know, God, Jesus got mad about stuff. But not with human anger. <laughs> not with ego anger. No, no, but I'm saying, like, you've got to tell your kids, knock it off. Right, but you, with his kind of love, you tell them to do it with perfect love, and it's more effective. It won't traumatize them. But when you use human love, it's all ego, and it ends up traumatizing them in the long run. Because you have not done it out of love, you've done it out of ego. You're trying to will it to be. But if you love God, then his love is going to flow through you to your children, mm -hmm. and they'll see that you're correcting them with the right spirit. I get you that part. Isn't that something? Oh, I understand that part, but yeah. you got to... Oh. And see, when you think you about it... Because you're starting to sound like my sister who's like new age, and every, everything's wonderful, and there's no good or evil. No, that's not true. No. There is good and evil. Like you got to you know, bomb some people to smithereens to get them to stop. You know, yeah, you're right. And see, that's the beauty of it. <laughs> you, see I mean, clear, you see clearly that there is evil. Right. But because you can see it clearly, God gives you the authority to defeat it. Right. But if you were angry about evil, then it would defeat you. You become like what you hate. You know? Just, because you, you become, recognize it. You've got to recognize it. Absolutely. I am angry at what I see happening in my country. Mm -hmm. I am angry at what I see happening between the races. Yeah. I'm angry at that, but I feel no emotion about it. I see that it's right. evil. You hate it. And because I don't hate it either. Do not hate. Hate is of the devil. Well, you, hate, you have to hate evil. No. Well, you hate it. You don't hate the people. You Let me tell you how you hate it. You hate it by seeing it for what it is, but don't judge it so it doesn't overtake you. Right, right, right. I just meant hate by saying it's totally wrong. Absolutely. You That's call I mean. it as you see it, right. but do not have any emotional feelings about right. it. As a matter of fact, that's why a lot of Christians who are on the side of good and conservative people, if you notice, they're losing the battle. Evil, the lie is winning through the children of Satan. And the reason that the lie is winning because the Christians hate the children of Satan. They hate what they see. They're mad at them. And the children of Satan is, are winning because they're keeping the Christian angry. Because the children of Satan understand if you can make a person angry, you can control them. 
it renders them helpless. Yeah. It's different. You just, it's either it's recognizing rather than... Yes. It's loving the person but hating the... That's demon. right. But when you have that emotional stuff going on, you can't help but judge. You hate that person and you lose. That's why we're losing. God will let us see evil, know that evil exists, and give us the authority to defeat it. Because there is evil. It's all about good and evil. You don't... He's okay, Frank. He had a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm just saying it because he keeps putting it in front of you. You don't seem like you want it there. That's all I'm saying it. But um, that's why they're losing. Now, I see evil thanks to God because he woke me up. I don't feel anything personally about evil. I mean, I'm not judging it, right? Because when I was younger, I judged evil and I became like what I hated. And I had no power over it, no authority at all. But when God caused me to see it but don't hate it, that's why I'm able to speak up anywhere, uh, not be afraid, not worry about any outcome or anything. Just see what's there and deal with it. Be straight up honest about it, but don't hate. You, you see a lot of men who act like women. Have you ever noticed that? You, you notice that, right? Yeah, you can put it in front of her now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, do you know how they became that way? No. Well, they, they didn't, they weren't godly, for one thing. They don't. No, but they become that way when they're little kids. Mm -hmm. And then you see it when they become teenagers and adults. Do you know how they became that way? Tell me. Be, they, be, they hate their mothers. They oh, hate their yeah. mothers. And you take on the identity of who you hate, whatever you hate. It's a spiritual thing. You lose yourself and become what you hate. And that's why men know how to deceive women. They know the right words to say to them, to lie to them and make them feel good and take advantage of them because they have mama's nature in them. They don't think like men. They don't feel like a man. They feel like a woman. Because you be, I hear women tell me a lot, lots of times, I feel like my mother. I don't feel like me. When, I, when I'm in the mirror, I see my mother. I don't see myself. And because they hate their mothers. And had they had a father and a mother who said, don't hate this, you know, speak up, but don't resent, they would have maintained themselves who they are. But they lost their identity because we are a spirit. Hold on a minute. Are you saying the woman is deceitful by nature? You're saying no. What I'm saying is, it could be a man or a woman. You can hate your father, yeah, and then it, it can become that way because it's that spirit that's in the the wrong spirit that the kids see, that, and they don't see that spirit as love. They took on the wrong spirit, right? Even if the parents trying to deceive them, kids can see that you're coming from the wrong place, but eventually they start resenting it. And when they resent it, they start to lose themselves. And if you notice, around 10, 11, 12, 13, they don't even act like innocent kids anymore. You know, like the devil came out or something. Because they resent what they see. You cannot hate evil and think that you're going to defeat it. And you hate it by not accepting it. Just knowing that it's wrong, speaking up and dealing with it, but don't have an emotional hatred for it. That's why we're losing the battle in our country. And there is evil happening. I don't care what anyone says. And it's destroying good. 
It is absolutely destroying good. And that's so unfortunate. And so it doesn't have to be that way because the children of God have the power to overcome evil. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And that's the truth. Did you have another question or comment? Satan's on a rampage, that's for sure. Yes, because the children of God are allowing it to happen. And they are just lying to us about everything. And we can't seem to defeat the lie. Yes, sir. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on a minute. You said something. I wonder if you could repeat what you said. You said about when you identify evil. Remember you said that like about three minutes ago? You said you identify evil. You see evil, you identify it. And then what do you do? You deal with it if you if you if is the, the opportunity is there. If not, you do nothing. Because well, see, I've been what I've been doing lately. I've been running. I've been running right into evil, just like smack dab right into it. And right. I'm, I'm starting to uh, find different ways to deal with it. You know. And what kind of ways are you finding to deal with it? Well, they lie and they try and uh, mislead you. And uh, it's, I just, it's kind of hard. You got to get in front of them, and then they try to go that way, and you go that way. But how, how are you dealing with it, though? Um, well, I don't get angry with them. I just, I, I don't know. I just keep moving towards them. I keep, uh, you know, uh, making the distance between me and them shorter. I don't know how else to describe it. Are you, are you like physically moving toward them? No, I mean it's like a, it's almost like a uh, it's like a psychological battle with these people, and they're really no. wicked. You don't want a psychological battle with with well, evil. I'm not sure if that's the right word yeah. because I'm, I know I've, I've I've revealed these people. I know they know I know who they are. And uh, it's just very, you know, when you said something about, uh, I wish I could remember, I wanted you to repeat that one more time, because it's exactly what's happening to me. Well, play back the tape. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I surely don't remember. Yeah, it was Uh, just, it was, you said it, it you said it very succinctly about what I, yeah. Let me say this, another thing on my radio show that made me sad, sorrow, I felt, I didn't, it's weird too, I didn't feel emotional sorrow for this guy. I just realized he really is a nice guy, but it cannot see. I asked a question on my show this week, are black people cursed? And, because I woke up another time and I realized I don't know anywhere in the world where black people are ruling and in control, and you want to go there and live. You know, it's not, and it wasn't like that for the most part growing up, you know. And so I'm wondering, and then especially this stuff in Ferguson, you know, just making me think about all these things. And I heard before we were cursed because of somebody by the name of Ham. (laughs) And so I'm like, wow, what is going on? You know, because when you think about it, I went to Gary, Indiana for my family reunion, and I remember back in 1967, I went there to stay with my mother to, to go to high school, and the high school was 
blacks or whites or some Hispanics, right? And everybody kind of getting along because the city was controlled by white people for the most part. All the businesses were white. The mayor of the city was white. And everything was kind of under control. They had an election for a new mayor of Gary, Indiana, and they voted in the black, a black man for the first time, the first black mayor of Indiana, uh, Gary, Indiana. They voted him in. The very next morning, all hell broke loose. I went to school, it was like a war zone. The blacks were getting into white people's face and cussing them out, and if whites were, white kids coming down the hallway, and they tell me try to get by, the blacks would stand in their way and say, walk around me. Uh, you know, they were yelling and fighting in classrooms, and, and at the time, you had to take the bus home, and you get on the bus, it's just nothing but fighting. I did not, I had to walk home so many days because I was so scared. I had never seen anything like that growing up in Alabama. And from that day forward, Gary and Indiana went to hell in a handbasket. And it's so bad now that the citizens who live there, the good ones, because there are good folk, black folks in Gary, they're stuck there, they're afraid to even go look at Michael Jackson's house because you can get carjacked, you can get robbed in Gary, Indiana. It went to a ghost town. And I'm thinking, how come there were no intelligent blacks who took this empty town and made it beautiful so we could show the white folks we can do it too? You know what I'm saying? There are, there are houses, and I took Doug and Francisco with me. There are houses there that look like people just walked away from. It looked like a ghost town. People looked like they just packed up and left. And they had an all-black government, and they still do today, and nobody seemed to know how to improve it. Now, the white folk come back there or go back there, they're going to they're going, they'll open up businesses, they'll clean the streets up, they'll cut the grass, they'll paint the houses, and then we'll be coming back trying to live with them. And they'll get a police force, all kind of stuff. Gary is so bad that they lost their police force. That's how bad it is. And so, anyway, long story short, and because of time, I asked a question on my show, are, are we cursed? And then I realized, no, we're not cursed because I know black people, individuals, who are doing very well. They have good hearts. They, they have businesses. So all of us are not cursed. I don't care what Ham did. All of us are not cursed. But what I realized that it's the, the, um, it's the uh, unwillingness to repent from the anger that we carry in our hearts. That's what the curse is. We won't admit, black people will not admit, those blacks, most black won't, that they are angry and resentful and it starts in their homes and then it spreads out to other people. They will not love their neighbors. And if you don't love your neighbors, you don't love nobody. And if they can just repent, but their leaders won't let them repent because they keep telling them, look how bad the white man is. Look how bad this situation is. So they keep you in a state of anger. And here's a quick story. This guy called in because I asked that question. He said, well, black people curse because they have not realized that they are the original Israelites. And we're going on and on about that. <laughs> I'm like, everybody want to be a Jew. <laughs> when all else fell, claim Jewship. And uh, I'm a Jew. And, and so we talked about that for a while, 
And then, but the guy sounded so nice. He wasn't like yelling or calling me names and all that kind of stuff. And so I asked him, I said, were you raised by both parents, your father and mother? And he said, no, just my mother. And I said, where were your father? I don't know. He said, I met him the first time when he was an adult. And I said, well, did you develop a relationship with him? No, I don't need it. No, you know, why do I need a relationship with my dad as an adult? I don't need that. And I said to him, I asked him, long story short, do you love your father? No, I asked him first, do you want a relationship with your father? He was 30-something years old, right? And he was like, everybody wanted a relationship. I don't know. I guess most people want a relationship with their father. I said, look, I didn't ask you about most people. Do you want a relationship with your father? I don't know. I guess so. Everybody, you know. I said, answer the question, man. Give me a yes or no. Do you want a relationship with your father? And he said, yes. And I said, why was that so hard to say? That's what's holding you back. And then I asked, do you love your father? And he, oh, no, I don't know why I need to love him. He didn't love me. He wasn't there. Do you love your father? I don't think so. I don't need to. Going on and on again. And then he said, that's a good question you're asking me. Do I love my father? And then he finally said, yes, I love my dad. And his whole thing started to change. You could see the anger fading away. You could see that this 30-year-old man became like a child, still needed a father. And I said to him, it's not about being an Israelite or not. It's not a physical thing. Your resentment toward your father for not being there for you is what's blinding you. And, you, and now you're looking for a material source to make you feel better because Satan is telling you that this is what you need. You need money. You need to be a Jew. You need this and that. You need to remember that you are a Jew. Even if you remember you were a Jew, it's still not going to make you free. It won't work. And I said to him, will you go and talk to your father and tell him what, we just, what you just told me, that you love him? I said, don't expect anything from him. You love him. Tell him you want to know him. He told me, yes, he would do it. His whole thing changed. And my point is that he was blind and could not see what the real problem was. So, because your ego makes you always look outside and it convinces you that it's a physical thing that you need to make you free. And it's never going to work. It's never going to. The, the, the answer is inside of us, not outside. And 99.999.999, not all, not all, but 0.9999 is your anger that has separated you from God. And it leaves an emptiness, a void, and you try to fulfill that void with something else. Only forgiveness is going to make that work. You must forgive. God said before you enter into the kingdom of heaven, Within, you must forgive. And if you don't forgive, you're never going to enter in. You will know about him. You will read about him. You will say that you know him, but it will be all lies. You must forgive because unforgiving nature and unforgiving nature is the nature of the, of the prince of darkness. It's, it's an evil nature, and good and evil would not come together as one. You got to have that perfect love that only comes from God, and, and it comes by you allowing yourself to see that you have an unforgiving spirit 
and you need to forgive. That's all to it. It's not going to work any other way. And it's in us to forgive when we can admit we have anger and don't be mad about admitting that you have anger. Then God will come in and change your heart. He'll change your life. And I'm a living witness to that. All right. Did this help a little bit? Yes. yes. All right. Thank you, folks. And thank you all for coming. I appreciate it. information to purchase a copy of this program or to make a donation visit us on the web at bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-2663 that's 1-800-411-BOND Please forgive me, I hear your song when I am singing